Bible, I invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 22 uh, will be a good place for you to turn to. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, in the uh, pew back in front of you, there should be a book there. That's a Bible. And uh, you can find this reading on page 529 of that particular a book, or you can always just go and uh, download the Grove Church app, and there's a you can click on the Bible tab, and we'd love for you to be able to follow along on your mobile device. If you are visiting visiting with us this morning, or if you've just been away for a while, we are in the middle of a series that we call Wislet 101, Wisdom Literature 101. Over the fall, we have decided to go back to the classroom, to the classroom of wisdom. And we've been going each week to the book of Proverbs, and there we've been taking different topics. If you have ever read through the book of Proverbs, you know that it's a little bit challenging to try to read straight through because it's a little bit like reading fortune cookies, uh, the fortunes that come out of fortune cookies, because just these tidbits of information and, and, and wisdom. So what we've done is each week taken a different topic in order that we might be able to glean the wisdom that's come from the sages and the scriptures for our lives. The theme, if you like, the overarching, overarching theme of this study has been this, that God made you, that God loves you, that God wants to guide you so that you can be wise, because God wants you to live wisely. That God made you, he made all things, including all of humanity, which includes you. He loves you, he is for you, especially in the gift, and first and foremost in the gift of his son, Jesus, to make it possible that we might be able to be reconciled with God. And he has given us his word, he's given us his wisdom that we might be able to be guided by his word, submitting ourselves to his word so that we can be wise in the way in which we live. And so this morning, we'll be, I I thought, as we make our way towards the Thanksgiving holiday, and as we anticipate uh, times together with family, not only just this week, but also in the days that are to come as we anticipate Christmas and all of those gatherings, that we might turn our attention to what the Bible has to say, what Proverbs has to say about parents, about parenting and being parented. That's what we'll be thinking about, because parenting is such an important topic. It's such an interesting dynamic. Because before you tune out because you say, well, I, I don't have children, or, and I don't, I, or before you tune out and say, been there, done that, I'm good, you know, before you go into that space, I, I just want to recognize, I want us just to pause and recognize that every single person in this room has been deeply affected by your parents, the people that you have called mom or dad. The most influential people in your life have been your parents. That doesn't always mean it's been positive. It just means it's been influential. That they've affected, even even in their absenteeism for some of you, it's had a deep and profound impact on your life and who you are as a person because we've all had parents. Years ago now, I was in a conversation with a, a gentleman at the church and he the church where I was serving, and he had just um, recently lost his father. He had lost his mother uh, a few years earlier, and so I was, it was within a couple of weeks of him losing his father, and, and here he is in his mid-50s and lost his father, and I said to him, how, how are you doing? And he says, I, I f- honestly, I, I feel like I've lost my moorings because it's, it's me, you know, like I'm, I'm left, like, 
and just the profound impact and recognition of the role that his parents played, even just in a stabilizing influence in his life, because every single one of us have been impacted and affected by our parents. And some of you are currently in a varying degrees of parenting, in varying degrees of parenting. And so the Sunday before Thanksgiving, as we make our way towards the holiday season, we give our attention to thinking about family, specifically about parenting. And the way I'd like to do this is twofold. One is to look at wisdom for parents first, and then wisdom for children of parents. Kids, right? So first, wisdom for parents. I think, first of all, we recognize that um, it's important for us to... to what, I, what I want to say is this. I'm not dealing with techniques, that's not the point. That's a helpful thing. Those are important things. I'm not dealing primarily with techniques. I want to deal with tensions. Three, three primary tensions that I want to draw uh, that I think are there for biblical, for Christian parents who are desiring to, to, to parent their children in a way that's honoring to the Lord. First of all is this. I want to just draw, say this, that foundationally, the goal of parenting, biblical parenting, Christian parenting, is not to raise perfectly behaved children, nor to prove that you are a perfect parent, right? We just, I just want to say that so that we can just kind of get that out of the way. You're, the goal is not for you to be able to have perfect children or perfectly behaved children or to prove that somehow you're a perfect parent. The goal of Christian parenting is that we produce disciples of Jesus. That's what your role is as a parent, is to help your children be able to be exposed to, and as best as it depends upon you, raise them in a way that they're exposed to and come to faith in Jesus. You cannot author faith in a child, I know. None of us can. I want to, but I can't. But our job as, as Christian parents and grandparents is to point them in a particular direction, to shepherd the hearts of your children so that they can follow Jesus. The goal is to raise up adults who love Jesus so that they can thrive in a broken world as a light. That's what our job is, is to raise them to love Jesus so that they can become adults who love Jesus and so that they can themselves raise up children who love Jesus, who can go out and become adults who love Jesus until Jesus himself comes back and then we see him face to face and then it's all good from there. But that's our job. So three, three tensions for Christian parents. Wisdom for parents coming from, from Proverbs. First, Biblical parenting is self-sacrificing without child idolizing. Biblical parenting is self-sacrificing without child idolizing. Proverbs 22.6. Start, start children off on the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. Or train a child in the way in which they should go. When they are old, they will not turn to it. Keeping in mind that this is not a promise. The Proverbs are not promises. The Proverbs are saying most of the time these things are true. Uh, children are a gift from the Lord. We recognize that. We recognize that a, that a child is a gift from God. It is a, good, uh, it is a good gift that comes from him. And your children were entrusted to you by God's sovereign plan. Like you are the parents of your children because God wanted it that way so that you could train them and expose them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that you could make disciples of your children. 
And in order to train your children, in order to, 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 in order to start them off in the right way, it requires self-sacrifice from a parent. We do a dedication service for young families when they're dedicating their children to the Lord. That's the idea of, 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 of starting them off. It's, it's training is this idea of dedicating their path towards God, dedicating themselves to the task of parenting, dedicating your child to Christ. You know that to do that, to train up a child, it takes every single ounce of all of your energy, doesn't it? I mean, when they're young, it's brutal. I mean, these kids are just so dependent upon you, like for everything, for eating, for clothing, for life in general. They're just so dependent for changing diapers and the lack of sleep. I mean, some of you parent, young moms are just comatose right now, uh, and, and you're really ready to take a nap. And if you fall asleep in the sermon, that's cool. I get it. It's all right, because these kids are so hard on you. And, I, and, and, and if, if your husband's like me, I'm not much help. I mean, I, I was really bad. I, I, I just was bad, because like, I couldn't do much. I mean, we're, it's, it's three in the morning, and the child is crying, and there's not much I can do except say, hey, babe, get out the bed. Do your job. I was bad. It wasn't good. My wife will tell you how bad I was. It was just not even, this is... And then they got those strollers that are like tractor trailers, you know, nowadays. It's like, and they, and they just take up so much space and all the bags and all of the stuff and the crying and the pooping and the naps and the schedules. It's kids, man, take every ounce of your energy. <laughs> and then they start to walk and then you got to chase them around and you're just like, can I just sit? Can I? No, no, you can't because they don't know what they're doing and they run into stuff and they write on walls and you have to clean up their messes and it's just hard. And then they think they're independent and the universe revolves around them, right? I mean, and then, then all of a sudden, like, you're the taxi and you got to drive them because apparently your life revolves around what their schedules are. Like, like you want to be going somewhere at 10 o'clock at night to go pick them up from someplace? And they're expensive. And they're moody. Kids. <laughs> Parenting is self-sacrifice, is it? It's just hard. And you look at your, your spouse and you go, really? This is a gift from God. <laughs> we are giving ourselves to the task of parenting because we recognize that the children are a gift from God and we have a responsibility as parents to, to steward their hearts towards Christ. And so we give of all that we have and we pray for our children and we shepherd them and we give them all of the wisdom that we know in order that they might be able to be exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we fight with them to get them into youth group and to get them into church so that they can come here to be exposed to Christ because we recognize that we have just a cherished few years while they're under our roof. And if we're not careful... And all of our self-sacrifice turns into not just shepherding their hearts towards Jesus, but finding our identity in our children, and we begin to make gods of them, and we idolize them. And not just because our, their schedule is demanding, but because we push our children, and we find a, our significance, value, and self-worth in our children, and how they're doing, and what they're involved in, and then we brag to other parents about how busy we are because of how amazing our kids are, and how fantastic they are, and it's really saying, aren't I a fantastic parent? 
And we put a burden on our children that our children were never made to carry, which is your identity, your significance and value and self-worth in the world is not, your, your children's shoulders can't handle it, no matter how strong they are. When we find ourselves, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, like the first time I had to go to parent-teacher conferences, like it was, I'd never been, so I'd be like, oh, parent-teacher conferences, right. So we go and you, you, know, you sit in these tiny little chairs, like, I don't know. It's elementary school, so it's tiny little church. And you know what I felt like? And this has nothing to do with the teachers. It has everything to do with me. I felt like I was being on trial for my parenting. There I am, you know, in this tiny little chair, this tiny, like my knees are like, you know, hardly even at the... Instead of what is normal people would think of, I'm the parents, we're the parents, talking with the teacher, how we can think about how our, our children can best thrive. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. Instead, to me, it felt like I was somehow being judged. It had nothing to do with teachers. It had everything to do with me and my own heart. Because why? Because my child's academics had more to do with my ability. Some, it has nothing to do with me. But it felt like it did. Because we're tempted to find our significance and value and self-worth in a performance of our children. Some of you are walked very challenging roads with your children, and you've learned this lesson in a very hard, hard way. Just this week, just, or within the last week and a half, I received a, a, a birthday card from a woman who is in the church I was just pastored, and an anniversary card, because my birthday and anniversary are close together, so I wouldn't forget the anniversary, not the birthday. <laughs> and it was from this woman, her name is Carol, and it's, one, I was just, I'm, I'm just amazed that she remembers me. And two, that she would actually send a card for my birthday and for our anniversary. And three, the journey that this woman has been on. Because her son, I don't know if you remember the Craigslist killer. That's her son. He's sentenced to death. Now. And yet this woman has a faith and a trust in God that she continues to continue to come to church and to pray for her son's heart, and yet it does is she disappointed? Absolutely. Is she, is she devastated by the, her, the actions of her son? Absolutely. Does it define her? Absolutely not. Because it's in Christ. Because we cannot, our, our depend, we cannot idolize our children so that our identity is wrapped up in the decisions that they make. Otherwise, we'll crush them and we will be crushed. It's a tension for Christian parents. The second tension is this. Biblical parenting disciplines without exasperating or disciplines without, without, yeah, without provoking. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Your children... The heart of your child is bound up in folly. Folly means the willful refusal to make moral choices, wise choices. And this is the default setting of all of the hearts of our children is folly. That's, that's why parents are there, to help guide them out of. And it says, here, this is where our kids are. We recognize that this is the default setting of their heart. But look what it says here. It says, the, the rod of discipline, that discipline will drive it far away. The point of discipline 
is what? The heart of our children, right? The point of discipline is for our children's heart or for our grandchildren's heart. The primary point of discipline is heart change, not behavioral change. Christian parenting is not just about behavioral modification. Christian parenting is about helping our children see Jesus. And if we're not having conversations about Jesus when we're, when we're disciplining, we're helping guide them, then, then we're just worried about the behavior. And I want my kids to behave well. I want them... It's, it's just... This is so important yet so challenging because I want my kids to be well-behaved. I want them to act properly. I want them to be good. I'm hopeful that they'll be contributing citizens to the United States of America someday. That's my goal. I hope that that happens. But the primary point of Christian parenting is not simply to have well-behaved, well-oiled, well-groomed children that don't have cavities. That's not the point. The point is to help them experience Jesus Christ. And the point, the point is to help them to, 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 to be able to discern the motivations for their hearts about why they do what they do. Why did they do what they do? What does Jesus have to say about those things? Because we have to get to the hearts of our children. And that's why we discipline. But we need to be careful that we don't allow our discipline to provoke our children provoke them or we don't want our children to be exasperated we're not there's a tension here between saying we need to discipline them we need to help them because we long for their hearts and so our discipline is is order in order that we might be able to help drive folly from their hearts so that they might live in a way that's pleasing and honoring to god and yet if we're not careful we can drive our children we can exasperate them we can provoke them Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, but it's to both parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3, 21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Parents are in a unique position to provoke their children to anger. Parents are in a unique position to be able to provoke our children to become discouraged. Tim Challey is a, a Christian author and blogger and writer and stuff. says this, Parents can cause their children to become angry and bitter. I'm sure you know this, and I, and I can assure you that they know this. But I think we can go even a step further to say that there are times when our children are justified in their anger towards us. There are times when we so provoke our children, we so exasperate them, that anger is the fitting response. It may even be the right response if the anger is expressed in a righteous way. There may be times when your children's anger towards you is more righteous than your actions or attitude toward them. Parents are in a unique position to train their children, to instruct their children without exasperating their children. There is a tension that we live in as Christian parents. 
Because if we're not careful, we can discourage our children. And a discouraged children is a child who has lost heart. He is so beaten down that she has lost hope. She's lost the motivation, and she doesn't care anymore. The idea here, with, if we're not careful with our children, is that we can so beat down our, ch- our children that they stop trying to please us. That they stop trying. Because maybe our demands are arbitrary or unfair or maybe we never praise our children or take joy in them or maybe we live hypocritically and have higher standards and expectations for them than we do for ourselves whatever the case if we exasperate them if we provoke them then they stop trying and we have you we are to provide instruction we are to provide training We are to point them to Jesus. It's a great opportunity for us as parents to be able to engage them, both in the challenging areas as well as in the positive areas. It's important. Parents, do not provoke your children to anger, lest they become discouraged and bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that's the second tension. The third tension is, is this. Biblical parenting is authentic without losing authority. It's authentic without losing authority. Proverbs 14, 26. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. The best way that you can, that we can raise our children to be exposed to the gospel is by you having an authentic faith that you're living out right in front of them. The best way, because every single one of us, the, the most significant influence in our lives has been our parents. And the best way that you as a parent can nurture the heart of your children is by living out authentic faith right in front of your children, right in front of them. And being real and authentic because when we make a mistake and we do to own to own up to it as if somehow admitting that you made a mistake somehow undermines your authority I want to suggest to you that actually being authentic with your children and admitting your mistakes and saying I'm sorry I was wrong please forgive me and treating our children as people rather than projects will actually build a case for our authority, not undermine the authority that we have with our children. Because you know what? I mean, to be honest with you, I I mean, I can fool you that I'm somehow a good dad because I can tell funny jokes or I can stand up here and tell you great principles or because I can, you know, lots of ways because you have limited exposure <laughs> and I have a microphone and I can tell you whatever I want to and you, you just go, yeah, okay, sounds good. And not that you're not un- un- uncritical, you are, you're good thinkers, but, but my kids, I mean, they see me every day. They see me when I get up, unfortunately, for them. They see when I'm angry. They see when I'm frustrated. They see when I'm lazy. They see, I can't, they know. And they see, and they see me. You know, I had a pastor friend who says, you know, if I really knew what was in the hearts of the people, I'm not sure I would actually preach to them. 
And if they knew it was actually in my heart, they wouldn't listen to me preach. But my kids, look, they, they know me and they see me. And for me to preach up here and then to be something different at home, they see it. They hear the conversations. They know. You know, my boys are in middle school now. <clears throat> and as each of them were going into middle school, I had a conversation with them, uh, just me and, and them. And one of the things, we talked about many things, but one of the things that I said to them as they said, look, as you go into middle school and as you continue to keep growing, you're going to want to have independence and that's important and that's really good. That's normal and that's natural. And I'm, I, mom and I want that for you. But, but I need you to know, like there's gonna be times when mom and I, you're gonna wanna go do something and mom and I are gonna say no. And we might be right and we might be wrong and you're gonna feel like it's unfair. Look, we, we've never done this before. We have to, you guys, we're, we're learning as we go. And so what I'm asking you for is for your grace. I will be gracious with you when you act like a punk. And I need you to be gracious with us when we're being unfair. Know that it's not a lack of love. To me, that builds a case for the authority of the parent rather than undermines it. We do ourselves no favors when we fail to, to be real with who we are and, and talk to our children like people. Because somehow that's more glorifying to God or something, I don't know. So these are tensions within Christian parenting, wisdom for Christian parents. There's so much more in this, in this book, not just Proverbs, but the, but the scriptures on these things. But there's just a few things. I want to spend the balance of our time then moving to wisdom for children of parents, which is all of us, which is all of us. Proverbs 15, 20 says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 23, verses 24 and 25, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave birth be joyful. We all have a mom and dad. And here he says in, in 15, Proverbs 15, 20, a wise man brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. The, to despise your parents, to despise their, their, their guidance, to despise their correction is the opposite of godly wisdom. You know, in, in Exodus, there are the given the Ten Commandments, and they're one of the commandments, of course, you know this, is to honor your father and mother. And when you're, you, the children are young, that looks a lot like obedience, but then it changes, doesn't it? It changes. The relationships between parents and children change. And sometimes, as you continue to grow and as you continue to mature, then we recognize that our parents' advice wasn't very good. That sometimes what our parents thought was wise wasn't actually wise. 
that we actually realized that they were deeply flawed and wounded people, and we didn't realize it when we were young, but as we start to get old and as we start to grow and to mature, we start to see some of the flaws and some of the challenges, and that is hard. And that's part of the reason why sometimes going to holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas are challenging and why they produce such angst in people and such anxiety in people because we come up against the brokenness of those who raised us and the challenges. But for the Christian child, we need to honor our parents. We need to honor our parents. It doesn't mean that you need to obey your parents. It doesn't mean that you have to trust your parents. It doesn't mean, because sometimes our parents are liars. And sometimes our parents are silly and foolish. And sometimes our parents give terrible advice. But that doesn't change the fact that as a Christian, you are to honor your parents. And so we, the, the, the challenge for us is to be able to say, how are you showing your parents honor and respect? You say, but if I try, every, every overture that I make towards my mom just comes back in my face. Every overture of, of honor and respect that I give to my dad, he just stomps under his foot. And I've, it's, been, it's been this way my whole entire life. It's not received as honor or respectful, even though I'm trying. And I've just wanted to give up hope. You're not allowed to give up hope. You're not. And the reason is, because we have a Father in heaven who is always worthy of our honor and is always worthy of our respect. And he gave us honor and respect by sending his son, Jesus. We did not deserve to be a part of his family, but he sent his son. We were actually enemies with God, but he sent his son so that you can be a part of his heavenly family. And he is always worthy of our honor and of our respect. We didn't deserve it, but we get to call him father. And now, by because of what he's done for you, your job, for your heavenly father is to show your earthly parents honor in the way in which you speak about them to other people. Maybe your parents have long gone and been deceased. That's fine, but there's still stories that are told. And I'm not saying change the stories and make them likable folks. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there's an honorable way to be able to speak about your mom and dad. There's a respectful way, even if they were silly, to do that maybe it just means you need to call. I always joke about me being a bad son, you know, because my brother, he would call, you know, my brother would be like, uh, you know, he, he'd be like on his way home from work and it's like a half hour drive and he's calling mom just to check in because he's a good son. I'm like, oh crap, it's been three weeks. I better call home. You're like, yeah, you, you are a bad son. I know. But my responsibility is to honor my parents. And it's not hard, thankfully, because of their love for Christ and because of their love for me and for our family. And I have a great privilege of honoring my parents and should do a better job. And I'm, I feel challenged by these things. 
But I want to lay this out because I don't want you to feel like this is some sort of heavy burden or guilt trip for you, but rather I want to lay this out because you have an opportunity. Because Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming and you have an opportunity to use these holidays to honor Christ by showing honor to your parents. Can I, can I just call you to that? Maybe it means you write a note. Maybe it's to send an email. Maybe it's writing a letter. Maybe it's giving a hug. I don't know. I don't know your relationship. But what I'm asking you to do is say, God, because you are always worthy of my honor and of my respect, and because I want to live wisely and in your wisdom, will you show me how I can honor my parents this holiday season? And I wonder, I just wonder what it would be like for us to live under God's smile in that way, being dependent upon him, because that's a humbling and challenging thing for us to do, for many of us. But it's what God calls us to do, because he made you, and he loves you, and he wants to guide you into a wise life. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your sovereign plan that you have given us the children that you have given us because you wanted us to have them so that we could show them you. That you gave us that we are children to our parents and that we might be able to honor them because we honor you. All of this requires us to be dependent upon you. And all of this is because you, through your son Jesus, have, call, have saw fit to call us your children. And so may you inspire gratitude and thanksgiving in each and every one of our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.